them and everybody shout out and say one more time let's give it up to the lord for all the young people in the church hallelujah we'll remain standing for a while we greet you all in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen on behalf of his grace our father presenting bishop Musasono, who is here has assigned me to come and introduce to us this morning our speaker our speaker is no stranger to us we know him we've seen himself lead bishop one of the bishops in the church assigned to lead region four without any further ado ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters let's welcome to preach this morning bishop ezekiel matrole Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I'm a 2000 in the house. Two, two, triple zero. Kindly take your seats. God bless you. Hallelujah. Well, I greet you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, King Jesus. Amen. I'd like to thank my presiding bishop, our senior pastor, uh, Bishop Mosasono and Pastor Gege, uh, my bishop overseer Gege Sono, for allowing us to be part and parcel of this program. Hallelujah. They are the visionaries in the house. Let's give a Good hands to them, Barcelona. Hallelujah. They are sitting there in the tent style. We really appreciate them and we really love them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are talking about Jesus, our hope. John chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus says, as recorded by the Apostle John, he says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Two words, condemn and save. The word to condemn is the word in Greek, krino, which means to try as if to put somebody through a court case, which means to punish, avenge, damn, judge, sue, or sentence. The other synonyms of the word to condemn in English, it is to convict as to treat somebody as a criminal offender. It is to sentence or find guilty. It also means to denounce, criticize, attack, insult, or to blast. The Bible tells us that Jesus did not come 
to blast, attack, insult, criticize, denounce, sentence, or find us guilty. He came to save us. J.I. Packer says, God's love is an exercise of his goodness towards our sinners who merit only condemnation. Now, when God does not condemn us, who dares condemn us? When God does not condemn us, when we are always guilty of disobeying his standards, standards of holiness, standards of righteousness, standards of love, standards of justice, apart from him, when we violate them and God does not condemn us, who dare condemn us? Number one, Satan is the one who condemns us. Satan has appointed himself as the accuser of God's people. The devil specializes in exposing and shaming you for your wrongdoing, for your mistakes, for your sins. When you fail to resist temptations, we fall into temptation, we make mistakes, we make bad judgments and bad calls, we sin even in our brightest ideas that we cherish, we still sin. When you read Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 to verse 11, the Bible calls the devil the accusers of brothers and sisters. And the Bible says in verse 10, this accuser has been thrown down on earth and he accuses before God the brothers and the sisters who follow Christ day and night. But the Bible in verse 11 says, they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives even up to a point of death. One of the writers, Bangambika, and the surname is very, very hard to look at, but he's there. This is what he says. Accusations reveal the character of the accused, of the accuser more than the accused. When people accuse you for your wrongdoing, for your mistakes, for your blast, for your blunders, the issue is not you, the issue is them. Because God has not appointed anybody else to interfere in your business. That is why the Bible says, don't charge, for you will be judged and punished with a stricter judgment. So Satan is the one who accuses us before God, the very God who forgives us, who accepts us, who cleanses us through the blood of the Lamb that was shed on the cross. Mike Buckle says, the enemy works over time to shame us. He knows that if he shames us and keeps us in shame, he will minimize our intimacy with God. As young people, there's many things that happen to us, but we must be tight with God. We must be intimate with God. The God who forgives, the God who does not judge, the God who does not condemn, the God who gives us a second chance, a third chance, and many, many other chances for us to make it. Who dares accuse us? Number two, people accuse us. 
people who know our mistakes, people who know our failures, and sometimes people who don't just like us for reasons known to them. Henry David Thoreau says, the fault finder will find faults even in paradise. It is very difficult to please people. When you live right, they criticize you. When you fail, they criticize you. When you succeed, they are jealous, they criticize you. When you are a flop, they criticize you for being weak and never making it. So the issue is, let us not focus on the fault finders. Let us focus on Jesus who never condemns us, who looks at many people who are hypocritical when they accuse us as if they are sinless, they are faultless, they are perfect when maybe they are even more sinful, more flawed, more compromised than us. When you go to John chapter 8, the Bible tells us from verse 2 that Jesus woke up in the morning, went to the temple, and sat down and began to teach people the word of God. The Bible in verse 3 tells us that the scribes and the Pharisees, they brought a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and they put him in the midst of the service. And they said to Jesus, teacher, we call this woman in the right-handed, in the very act, in adultery. Moses' law says we must stone her. But what do you say? The Bible tells us that Jesus acted as if he did not hear them and stooped down and wrote something on the ground and raised his head and said, he who has no sin must be the first to stone this woman. And bend it again after some time he, he raised his hand, his head again, and he was left by himself with this woman. The Bible tells us in verse 9, those who were trying to stone this woman, they left one by one, convicted by their own con conscience, from the least to the greatest. And Jesus asked this woman, woman, is there no one else who is around to condemn you? She said, Lord, no one is here to condemn me. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So when you look at Jesus, he forgives you of your public sins. Against those who are judging you, who are condemning you. He pardons you, but he does not leave you as you are. After he has pardoned you, he says, go sin no more. Which means follow his righteous ways. If God does not condemn us, who dares condemn us? Sometimes we are condemned by our unfavorable circumstances. Sometimes as young people, we find ourselves under negative societal circumstances that have nothing to do with our own making and our own actions. But yet, these societal, societal circumstances that are negative, they, they affect you and affect your life disadvantageously. They affect your future. They affect your outlook. They affect your vision. They affect the quality of life that you are living. Adverse circumstances may be overwhelming, may be depressing. They may inject hopelessness, helplessness, and desperation in you. But what does the Word of God say to us against these conditions that are condemning us? 
in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, Paul writes this letter to the young man by the name of Timothy who is going through negative environmental circumstantial situations. He says to him, the Lord will rescue you from every evil attack. He will bring you safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and forever and amen. Which means let it be so. So Paul expresses a firm belief that God will deliver this young man, Timothy, and make him to overcome bad treatments, bad situations that he was experiencing. I like what Bishop Doug Heward Mills says. He says, God calls people who are in very difficult circumstances. The mere fact that you are in difficult circumstances that are condemning you. You are not a victim of your own circumstances. God has given you power through his saving grace to be a victor in your circumstances. To be an overcomer in your circumstances. God can shape up a future as he has called you in those circumstances. To have a career, to have a business, to be an entrepreneur, to be a winner, to make it in life identify your negative circumstances. Number four, if Jesus, when we are guilty, when we are sinful, when we are failures morally, when we have disappointed him, does not condemn us. Who dares condemn us? Number four, sometimes we get attacked by self-condemnation. Sometimes we drive ourselves into self-condemnation because for too long we have listened and believed the negative, unforgiving voices that are blaming us, that are finger-pointing and pointing us towards our past wrong. We have listened to negative voices. We have listened to bad news and that have been accusing us, that have been condemning us, that, that, that we are misbehaving, we will never amount to any good, that, 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 that we are cursed, that, that we will never make it in life. It does not matter what you have been listening to. It does not matter what people have said about you. And sometimes it is the truth about how, your past behavior. But when God... When Christ comes into your life, he understands that you are a sinner. He forgives you and gives you an opportunity to repent. That is why Romans 8 verse 1, it says, Therefore, for this reason, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Young people, it does not matter how your love has been rough, how your life has been misguided. Young people, it does not matter how bleak your circumstances have been. Young people, it does not matter how many regrets you have. Young people, it does not matter how disadvantaged you feel because you are born under circumstances that are hard, that are difficult, where you don't even find the support. It does not matter. The Bible says there is no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus. In Christ, you are forgiven. 
from your sins. In Christ, you are delivered from the power of darkness into his life. In Christ, you are restored as a child of God into your blessedness. Perry Noble says, oftentimes we are under the weight of accusation and condemnation and when we are under those we forget about God's amazing grace, God's amazing love, and God's mercy. Embrace God's mercy that is here to save you. God does not want you to be under any condemnation because you have to understand what condemnation does to you. Condemnation traps you into a vicious circle of guilt and you are in a guilt syndrome. If you had a child out of wedlock, it does not mean your future is doomed. You can bounce back, learn from your mistake, go back to school again, and rediscover your vision again. <laughs> Condemnation has a tendency to put you down and affect your mental health in a negative way. Maybe you tried drugs. Maybe you have been rebellious. And your mistakes, your sins are finding you out. You are beginning to reap the negative consequences of your mistakes, of your past wrong, of your rebellion. Let me tell you something. There is a God who looks at your life and say, I can forgive you. I can bless you. I can make you your, your life to find a better future again. I'm not putting you down. I'm not condemning you. I'm saying to you, Christ went to the cross for you, for you to have a future. You can be rehabilitated from drugs. You can find your mental soundness again. You, you can find new disciplines and rediscover yourself and live those self-condemning habits. You can be a young person who is focused again when you have lost direction. You can rediscover your dignity again and find your life. Condemnation is, is tormenting because it punishes you with your wrong. It, 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 it hurls towards you merciless accusations. Jesus, when she saw that woman who was caught in the very act. She says, woman, I don't accuse you. Go, sin no more. Young people, you don't have to accuse yourself when God does not accuse you. Forgive yourself from your blunders. Forgive yourself from your mistakes. <laughs> Condemnation will overemphasize your sinfulness and harden your conscience and never give you a chance of changing. If God could change Peter, God can change you. If God could change Saul, God can change you. There is nobody who is unchangeable before God. There's nobody 
who is so forsaken that God will give up on them. If God does not give up on you, if God has hope in you, if God trusts in you, if God believes in you, if God believes in the talent that he has placed in you, no matter your mistakes, believe in yourself. Condemnation blames you rather than correct you. Condemnation is against the focus of the gospel. God, when he looks at you, he does not blame you for being a sinner. He says, Jesus has come to save you. Save you from yourself. Save you from your stubbornness. Save you from your own wisdom that has misdirected you. Carl Jung says, condemnation does not liberate, but it oppresses. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, the scripture says, the scripture says, whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. God knows your future, that your future is brighter than your past. God knows your mistakes are not a permanent feature of your life because he's a God who can renew you when you give your life as a young person to him just give him a chance just give him a chance and see that your future can change your future can be empowered your future can be more blessed in the hands of God than when you are in charge you have to understand that when you submit yourself as a young person to the saving work of God, your future is brighter, your prospects, your potential, are more, your potential is more promising than when you are outside of God. Don't allow your mistakes, your sins, your wrong, your bad decisions to judge you and condemn you to a life of darkness, a life of hopelessness, a life of helplessness, a life of addiction. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. My Tumblr says, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Christ says, I came to save you and not to condemn you. The word to save, it means to deliver you. God can deliver you from addictions. God can deliver you from your stubbornness. God can deliver you from the bondage of demonic power. The word to save means to protect. The Lord can be your keeper when you are sabotaged, when you are attacked, when you are targeted by peer pressure. He will protect you and keep you sober and sane and help you to have a backbone to say no, no to wrong.
when you are pressurized. The Lord can heal you. The Lord can preserve you. The Lord can make you whole as a child of God. How does Christ do this? First, he takes away condemnation. 2 Corinthians 5.21, the scripture says, He, God made him, Christ, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So someone said, when God designed you and planned your life, it was not dependent on you being perfect. God is not taken by surprise by your mistakes. God, when he created you, he allowed Christ to come in order to take your mistakes, in order to take your flops. He made him who knew no sin to be sin so that he may have the spiritual reason not to condemn you, not to condemn your life to a shameful past, but to condemn Christ on the cross, on your behalf, in order to give you his righteousness, his blessedness, and his wholeness. Number two, how does he do it? Christ affects your salvation and effect your salvation to you personally according to your uniqueness. Let's read the testimony of Paul when he writes to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. And the scripture reads, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, Of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst sinner, Christ must display his unlimited patience as an example of those who believe in him to receive eternal life. God is patient with you, young person, to nudge you. He knows how sinful are you. He knows how wrong are you. He knows how stubborn are you. He knows how misguided are you. He knows how many fights you are fighting to survive in negative circumstances. And he's here to display his patience in order to lead you to life to the fullest. Someone said, when God has selected you, it does not matter who, who else has rejected or neglected you. God's favor outweighs all opposition. You are a winner. You are a winner. You are not a loser. Number three. How does God do it? God's salvation in Christ fixes everything. It fixes everything that is morally wrong in our lives and in our conditions. The scripture reads in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 21, verse 25. Therefore, Christ is able to save you 
completely, completely, those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Rick Warren says, through salvation, our past is forgiven. Our present is given meaning and our future is secured. When we come to God, God is able to fix your past, forgive you of your past, cleanses you from your past, deliver you from your past with its shame, with its rejection, with its mistake, with its guilt. And he's able to give you a present with meaning, meaning you will have purpose, you will have direction, you will have vision of knowing what to do with your life. And he also secures your future. So Jesus is the savior you need, young person. A savior who does not blame you. A savior who does not shame you. A savior who does not judge you for your sins, for your mistakes, and for your disobedience. Rather, Christ is the Savior who frees you, who forgives you, who cleanses you, and cleanses your life from a sinful, shameful, and rebellious life in order to reward you with a life that is pleasing to Him. Yours is to say yes to Christ, to receive his forgiveness, to receive his renewal, to receive his blessedness in life and in your future. Yours is just to say yes. Yes. I'm going to invite us to close all umbrellas, close our eyes in the presence of Jesus. I'm going to make a prayer this morning to challenge you you are here this morning you say pastor my life has been challenged condemned by the devil because of the sins I have made not given a chance that there will be hope about me challenged by circumstances that have put temptations like drugs, addictions, peer pressure that I was overwhelmed to live a wrong and a rebellious life. That my life was condemned because I've made so many blunders that I'm beginning to condemn myself. And that people have been saying negative things because of the truth they know about me. They know about my blunders. But God is saying to you, I have not come to condemn you. I'm not going to join the chorus of negativity and reinforce and emphasize your negativity. I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to shine light in your darkness. I'm here to give you a future when you are hopeless. I'm here to correct whatever was wrong in your life. I'm here to give you support that will make you to stand and have a vision, a purpose, and live a life of focus, discipline, righteousness, holiness, and love before God. That your life that was just unpleasant, unworthy, your life that was filled with negativity, when you were even negative about yourself, God is giving you hope this morning.
If you are saying, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to God. I want to be a different person today. Could you kindly raise your hand where you are and let me see you. I see hands are going up everywhere. You don't have to be ashamed of anybody else. All of us are sinners. All of us are sinners. All of us have our main mistakes. All of us have a past we are shameful of. But God has granted us mercy, love, kindness that has given us hope. Young person, don't give up on yourself when God is not giving up to you. Adults, don't give yourself up. Mzali, don't give yourself up. When you look at your children and you see your mistakes and your blunders, but today you are in the service, you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to God. I want to receive this salvation, this rescue, this hope, this healing, this blessedness that God is giving to me. If you are here, anywhere where you are seated, kindly raise your hand where you are so that I may pray with you. I'm going to ask all the people who have raised their hands who are, in, who are saying, Pastor, pray for me. Could you kindly stand where you are? Kindly stand where you are. Please kindly stand and come all the way. Come all the way. Come all the way. Sitela Sunday. Sitela Sunday. Just come all the way. It is your time. How actually? How Come, young person. Come for your life to be changed. Come, I'm a 2000. And become a 2000.